Welcome to the Lampstand Chronicles. I'm your host, Rocky. Welcome to episode five. We are officially in July now, halfway through 2020. and may have started out a little rocky, no pun intended. But let's finish out the year strong. Let's keep our head up. Let's be encouraged and know that we can do this. But without further delay, let's get right into the details of today's episode. My guest today is Lydia Bricker out of Southeast Michigan. Now get this, she's a singer and songwriter who's released one album and eight singles to date, but she's also married with four children and serving as the worship pastor at the river for the past four years. Now, can you talk about a busy work schedule? I don't know how she does it, but I tip my hat off to her. We had the chance to talk about growing up as a PK or pastor's kid, attending Bethel School of Ministry, what it takes to lead others, and stepping into prophetic worship. Now, if you lead worship, want to lead worship, or are just interested in the topic, definitely stay tuned for that segment of the show because you'll definitely get some nuggets and some tidbits to take away. Now, you may notice the episode starting a little differently. Recently, I decided to start recording some icebreaker questions. It's just a fun way to start the conversation, keep it loose, keep it fun, keep each guest on their toes because they don't know what, what questions they're going to ask. And it's just a great way to learn about random things, things that they may like and things that not that may not necessarily come up in the conversation. So it's great. Uh, there's no right answer or wrong answer. It's just whatever first comes to their mind. So let's jump right into those questions. Um, question number one, what is one song you have on repeat right now? Oh, repeat. Okay. Um, I am pretty in love with the blessing like the rest of the world is right now absolutely with carrie job and cody Carnes. i also love i mean i love it so much that i made a cover of it but cody Carnes, nothing else yes oh man it that is just such a powerful song any song right now that is just about stripping back from the distractions mm. and just focusing on the main reason yeah that's like that's just what has been on repeat for me. Like all of those types of songs, that's just the season I'm in. It's getting back down to the basics, back mm. to the main reason. And those are definitely the ones that I'm listening to right now. Right. Yeah. Uh, I In our church, we sing the blessing after every service. So after our yes. prayer service on Fridays and then after our uh, Sunday service, um, mm -hmm. at the end of it, we sing it and then close out our service so it's definitely yeah, well, i think it's definitely been on repeat <laughs> yeah us. well it's i mean it's exactly what our nation needs right oh, now when sure. you think about you know i mean i know we're in two different nations but what our world needs right now mm. i mean with all the negativity going on we're way more concerned in the media about speaking of what's going wrong in the world and how we need how we need to fix it mm. us ourselves and really we need to get back to remembering okay, we're never the solution. The only solution is the blood of Jesus. And if we can just rest in that, rest in, you know, the father's will for the world that he created, that's the first step. And mm. so I, I mean, I think it's churches are on to something right now. Absolutely. Like the, the Holy Spirit's really breathing back the main thing, the main purpose. And so I'm, 
I just love those songs. They're powerful. They're they're a great tool to spreading wisdom back across the world. And it's good. I totally agree. I I will say like when I first heard it, I was like, mm, okay, it's okay. Like I didn't get into it. Till you got to the bridge Until- and then you were like, yeah, let his favor be upon me Until, and all my kids. <laughs> like, there was one there was one service that we had um, and uh, one of the worship, worship leaders sung it and I cried. Like that was the first time I think it really hit. Because usually like if a lot of people are into something, then I'm like, eh, I'm not really into it. Um, but then that service, like it completely changed. And now I'm just like mm. all for it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Awesome. Okay. Number two, what is your favorite snack to eat when watching a movie? Oh, I'm into something new right now. It's called Cookie Pop. Cookie Pop. Okay. It's popcorn. It's Oreo popcorn. <laughs> they sell it at Sam's Club. I've not found it anywhere else. It is a bazillion calories. Of course. <laughs> and it's worth every calorie. It is so it's like coated with the inside of an Oreo, like okay. the cream part the of cream an Oreo. Part, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then there's like crunched up Oreos all around it. Nice. And it's the best. It's a cavity best. waiting to happen, but that is a movie popcorn. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so, sorry, well, what was the name of it again? It's called Cookie Pop. Cookie Pop. Okay, I'll see if it's I can get it. It's a blue it. bag. Okay, I'll see if I can get it in Canada. Cookie Pop, because oh, that's something so that my husband would be all over. Yeah, if you try to get it offline, it's like a bazillion dollars. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. But man, if you can get it in the store, it's so good. Okay, Cookie Pop. Put that on the cookie list. Cookie Pop. Uh, number three, if you could only keep three apps on your phone, which one would you keep? Which three would you keep? Oh, I would... I mean, does your camera app count? Yeah. So anything, anything that already comes installed on your camera, like when you just open it. So like your camera, um, text, anything like those apps, then those don't count. So anything you have to download from oh. your either app store or, or the, uh, yeah, from the <gasps> app store. Okay. I would keep my, uh, mixing app for our soundboard at our church. Otherwise I wouldn't have in ears. Okay. Um, hold on there's oh. an app for that no i yes. think our church uses yeah yeah that on an on an ipad oh yeah totally yeah so yeah. you can download that same app on your phone uh depending on what board you have mm-hmm. you can download that same one and you can mix your individual in your monitors so i would keep that um i would you know i would keep pinterest okay i am that person i never got who into likes pinterest. to i pin my whole life away i just <laughs> it's it's decompressing to me. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have four kids, so I can't have nice things. So I must pin them instead. So pin them in the virtual realm. Um, and then I would, <laughs> I would probably keep YouTube mm. after that. I don't really care about social media apps, to be honest. I'm so done with social media right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I don't. So I probably wouldn't keep that. I'm not a Bible app person because I like my actual Bible. Reading it. Yeah, for sure. You can't you can't find scriptures that you highlighted in your phone like you can just flipping through pages. True. True. So, yeah, I other than that, I mean, if it was uh, apps that came with the phone, mm-hmm. it'd be like my camera and my weather app that sounds so silly but (laughs) those would be it but other than that i don't care about a whole lot on my phone i'm like give me youtube my uh my in-ear mixing app and Mm -hmm. i mean do i need one more i don't know if i have any more that Uh, i care about oh pinterest um, Pinterest, yeah pinterest yes you have three yeah you're all good that's it yeah okay 
it's kind of boring i'm sorry it's all all good like my magazine on my phone (laughs) (laughs) do you find youtube has has been like your like instead Um, of watching tv you watch youtube not so much Mm -hmm. uh i know like like my husband definitely there's a show called good mythical morning on youtube my husband loves that yeah mine too mine too so we do have it on a lot um i mainly use it just for watching worship sets right. online or looking up sermons. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't really, I'm not super into all of those shows. Yeah. That's not really my thing. I'm a big Parks and Rec fan. Okay. I never got into That's that my show. show. But I really like it. Yeah. I've rewatched all the seasons so many times. I just think it's so funny. Yeah. Um, but my husband loves The Office. I'm not a big fan of The Office, but that's about it. Yeah. It doesn't really replace my TV. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Number four. What is your go-to pizza topping combination? Um, cheese and more cheese and more cheese. <laughs> I don't even care about toppings besides really? just give, give just... me like different types of cheese. Like give me like Asiago yes. and give me Parmesan yes. and give me more mozzarella. But oh, and just put more butter and garlic on it and Ooh. I'm happy. But no, other than that, I'm like, you don't need to give me toppings. Just cheese. pound on the cheese. Okay. Yeah. I I I can't remember where exactly it was, but there was one time like I had like a cheese pizza, and I was like, "This was the best cheese pizza." Like you think like, "Oh, it's just cheese." Like that's just it's too simple. Oh man, that was, was good. so good. It was an experience. So good. Yeah, yeah. It left you marked. Oh man, I was like that cheese pizza. Uh, number five. What year has been the most memorable for you? Oh, you know, I'd say this year that and we're that not even cr- officially halfway through. yet. We're not even in it. But like, I mean, every year has been really crazy. We've, you know, um, my husband, I've been married over six years. We've had four kids in the past five years. So um, incredible. So this year though we you know our fourth child he's not um our biological child we adopted him and um we got to bring him home from the hospital in february and i mean adoption in itself is just it is an emotional roller coaster and it has so much memory in it um and then we did adopt him during covid season and so you know that added a whole lot to it but it was a really sweet time because you know we got put on lockdown the day after I got done with maternity leave. Oh, and so we got, we went back home and having all of that time home yeah. with our family was just super precious. Um, you know, I joke with my friends, so I'm like, I was going nuts half the time, just not being able to get a babysitter and get out and all of that. But it was very memorable. Um, my husband and I made a ton of music during quarantine. Um, and it's just, it's this year has been very memorable. I feel like, you know, even decades from now, I'll remember this year the most oh, out of sure. all of the years of my children being small. I think this mm. is the year that I'll probably remember the most and that I'll probably hold dearest to my heart because it's been the most time that I've had at home with them. Right. Right. So, yeah, and, and I think it goes back to what you said. Also, like going back to like the foundation and just stripping away mm-hmm. all the extra stuff like in like for for myself and me and my husband, like we like our our first year anniversary was May. So this mm-hmm. was like right in the height of kind of like, I guess the real quarantine because we're kind of like mm-hmm. going to reopening now. Um, So it's like we have like three months essentially of just being at home together. 
mm-hmm. and like really getting to know each other because I think like otherwise it's like you just kind of you sometimes you just go through the motions of like life and you have other things you have ministry you have other commitments and sometimes you just go through the motions and then it's like all that was stripped away and then it's just like okay like we're kind of figuring each other out in like a new way Mm -hmm. so that was really sweet also yeah it's the you you get to the point where you have to ask yourself what's the why yeah for everything that's not in your life now it's like okay what was the why of why that was important why did I do that? Why did we have this tradition? Why did we have this to our schedule? Why did we have these yeah. checklists? Why did we do things this way? And to be able, if I mean, it's it's such a gift from God because some stuff, it's just tradition. It's just expected. It's just, it's mm-hmm. what society wants you to do at the moment. And you don't realize, you know, maybe that's not how the Lord wants me spending my time. Maybe that's not where he wants me putting my attention or my energy with certain things. And it's such a gift to be able to strip things down, to rebuild in the way that he wants you to. Absolutely. And so it's, I mean, this year, even though with all the tor- turmoil that's happened, it has been a precious year at the same time. Yeah. Um, as you said, we're going to look back and be like, 2020 was a year to remember. Right. Whether, right. whether for many reasons, for many yeah. different reasons, some good, some bad, but it'll definitely go down as a year to remember for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, awesome. Th- those are really good cool. answers. They Good. <laughs> Like actually, my pizza answers. (laughs) That one definitely surprised me. I was like, because I've like I I do change the questions, and I've asked this other times, and you know I get like you know artichoke hearts and sun dried tomatoes and chicken or something like that. No one's ever. I mean, margarita pizza is good. Now that I'm thinking about it, margarita pizza is good. Give me some basil and some sun dried tomatoes. You're right. If you get a good margarita like that. And, and and that pizza's good. Oh, I could have answered that. I still wouldn't choose it though over a ton of cheese. But a ton of cheese, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Go go with your gut. I digress. It's go okay. with your gut instinct. So it's okay. Okay. So we're officially gonna transition into the meat of the of the podcast. Um, cool. And and we're gonna take it back to how you started writing and producing music. What was what was the first experience that you remembered with like writing or writing a song? Oh, my first experience writing a song was when I was 16 and I could hardly play four chords on the guitar. <laughs> like, listen, your girl learned how to play guitar based off of Taylor Swift songs back when she was country. Really? So, yes, I was like hardcore Taylor Swift fan when I was a teenager. <laughs> That's awesome. I still like Taylor Swift. It's just real, but yeah. you know, more like my workout music. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, I was 16 and my first song I wrote was, it's on my first, it's on my album, um, the Love Continues on album and it's the Give Praise song. Um, and I, I can tell it was my first song I wrote because it's in 6-8 time signature and my father is so country and you know loves everything in 6-8 and so I'm like I can tell that that was under the influence yes. of when I still lived at home because my first song I wrote was in 6-8 um, and I don't write anything in 6-8 anymore and I really should but um, that was the first song that I wrote and I remember sitting down with um, my like youth co-leader um and we were about the same age and i'm like asking him to help me like hey can you help me like put some chords to this because the ones that i have don't make sense and like here's the and i'm like singing to him the melody like 
yeah, make it, make the chord sound like this, uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm like trying to have them help me. And that was my first experience where, and we, you know, we did it at church on Sunday and it kind of evolved and changed, but that, that was kind of the first bit where like, I always loved leading worship. I've been leading worship like since I was 13. Um, but then I started writing and then I kind of caught sight of, oh, you know, I really love to be able to put words to what you feel when mm-hmm. you experience the Lord. I was like, I want to be able to put words to the feeling of like when you're feeling the presence of God, that's what I want to be able to do. And so that was the first start. That was the start of it. How how did the, or I guess, how did you officially step into, let me, let me rephrase that question. How did you start in leading worship at your church? Because I feel like at 13, that's, that's a pretty big, that's a pretty big Listen, job. Listen, I had the most, I have the most amazing parents. My parents are, they're the lead pastors of uh, the church that I grew up at. They are both um, incredible musicians. They both are classically trained musicians. They have their degrees in music. Mm. Um, and they, I mean, they had us, you know, when you're the pastor's kid, it's like you wear all the hats of like, if the volunteers aren't there, you fill in, you know? Absolutely. And that was not necessarily a need. They did not need to have kids on stage. They didn't need to have, to have us fill in spots, but they had a desire for, um, their ceiling, um, to be the floor that we started on. And they're like, the only Mm. way, the only way that you're going to get to a higher level than we're at is if we don't make you wait in line Mm. and we don't make you wait. And so my mom and dad, they'd spend, you know, multiple, multiple evenings with just a few girls singing and a few of the guys teaching them instruments. And they would, my mom would just teach us harmony, like the three or four girls of us together. And, um, then they just, they just taught us, like we would know, you know, a handful of songs where it was like, we got good at those songs and they'd say, okay, so here's going to be the set list. You guys are going to lead on this Sunday. And they would they just bring us up, you know, and we, our whole like youth band, it was, I mean, it was different. It was a, an anomaly. Like that's not normal right. to have all kids um, playing on stage and to not have adults really needing to help um, too much other than behind the scenes during the rehearsals. And um, my parents just did very well at, you know, stewarding what they had and what they, what they'd been trained in to be able to implement it into people young. Mm. And, um, and it, it is definitely the only reason that I even could have gotten as far as I did coming out of high school um, to be able to, you know, then apply for ministry school at Bethel and go and, you know, make it on the, on the team at 17. That wouldn't have been a thing if my parents didn't instill all those years of just helping us, teaching us how to be humble, teaching us how to, you know, be excellent in what we were doing. Um, how to not back talk to each other when we don't like how somebody does something on yeah. stage, teamwork, you know? Um, and so really it was just a whole lot of trust and mothering and fathering. Yeah. That Everything that's there. like about building a strong foundation and right. it's like going like, just like starting from the very beginning and being like, these are the things that will carry you through in life. So it's right. like starting from the, from just the basics mm-hmm. again. So yeah. So my, dad was a pastor so I grew up in grew up in church literally like grew up in my church and um we were on the choir and I remember in practice 
Like we would literally spend the whole practice just making sure everyone enunciated words the same. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, like amen, like we would all make sure that everyone said amen and not amen. Yeah. Because like those like small things like made a difference in what everyone heard. So just those little things like that, I still like carry with me. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh man, when you have people who like take the time yeah to teach you like those lessons will follow you through like your whole life Mm -hmm. so yeah and it's not you know it's not many places that they'll let children be able to go in and just take the time with all the drama of how teenagers know it all and I know that was (laughs) me for sure and for them to take the time to really instill lifelong legacy in you Mm -hmm. it's such a big deal it's like such a it's such a blessing you know was was there ever I mean knowing that your parents were with you and knowing that they understood kind of what you were going through at the same time like having to leave worship was there ever moments where you struggled with fear um you know I think I think overcoming the like a performance mentality to where keeping your head in like that you're doing it for the Lord mm. and not for the reactions of people in the congregation. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, like I think not so much fear of failure, um, but sometimes like afterwards, like if you if you were in that spot where you were more uh, singing from the with a re reacting to the people in the congregation versus setting the atmosphere of what was happening. Mm. Um, I think that you could walk off stage oftentimes just being like, I failed it. It's more like the, it's more like you beat yourself up than fear necessarily. But I know, I think my favorite thing that I've learned in uh, leading worship is that you are meant to be the thermostat and not the thermometer. So like anybody can walk in the room. Mm. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I mean, like anybody can walk in the room and like feel it's cold, it's hot, but to set the room to what it is, you know, Mm. you get to a church service on Sunday and you're, if everybody's just kind of like down, like, oh, it's like the early service and we're tired and we're whatever. Okay. It doesn't take, it doesn't take a genius to walk in and realize that's where things are. But the, the point is the Lord's worthy. And so it doesn't matter if we feel that way. How are we going to turn the room around in an encouraging way? Right. And not to like encourage a, people. Yeah. To encourage people to l- fix their eyes. If to you, be involved also in the right, service right. and connect with, connect with God yeah, and like connect with the Holy Spirit. Like you as the worship leader are the vessel, anybody on stage, they are the vessel to displaying what the Lord is doing mm. and to displaying like who Jesus wants to show himself as in that moment. So if he wants to reveal himself as uh, the healer, then like it is your and you catch wind of that you prophetically catch that like okay god wants to show himself as the healer then it is your job to steward that moment and to to be able to expose the congregation to seeing that side of him and activating them and that okay let's pray for healing let's sing about healing let's you know that type of thing um i think that if if people can get that Mm. and get that and get that when you're on stage it's your job to to show the room where the Lord is um, versus reacting to, oh, let's do this song because everybody always cries when we do this song 
or oh, let's let's do this song because it's a fun jumping song, and this this service is usually really dead, and we need to get them right. hype. And it's like that's it, that, it's not about that. It's about who does God want to show Himself in, as in that moment. Mm. And then it's like I th- I think of it, or like I just thought of this just now, as like when you, the worship leaders on stage is like an L shape, so it's like. Or, or like a capital L. And I'm going to try mm-hmm. to explain this in a way that in my mind, how how I'm seeing it. It's that like, so the capital L, the longest part, it's like, so God is above us. And it's like, he's pouring himself out to the worship leader. So that's the longest part of the L, the capital L. And then it's like, as he's pouring himself onto the worship leader, then like the bottom part of the L, it's like, the worship leaders then pouring that out onto yeah, releasing it yeah, yeah being yeah. that vessel yeah. yeah so it's like that connection has to be there absolutely mm-hmm. and like the worship leader has to be able to tap into that and right. it's like it's it's not just like a one-time process it's mm-hmm. something that happens over and over and over at right. the same time so right and it's like a connection that's already been established before the service like it's this ongoing mm-hmm. I, I think that's just something so big of like we lose discernment of what's happening in the room when mm. we're not spending time with him in the secret place like how are you supposed to know what he's doing if yeah. like how, how are you going to lead people that haven't been with the lord all week you can't take somebody or people that you haven't been yourself yes exactly yeah, yeah. exactly oh i love that i love that and, and also it's just like what people see when you're on stage or you're leading or you're worshiping is just it's just the overflow so it's like the the time that you've spent as you said in your secret place and by yourself and just in the presence of god it's like that that fills you and then when you're on stage in in the in the midst of a service that's just the overflow Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah. like I, I, I take that same mentality. Like, I, um, if I'm um opening prayer in our service, it's like sometimes it's like okay, opening prayer is like a fraction of time, but I'm spending you know an hour just for just to open prayer, and it's right. like, yeah, there has to be like more time, more time alone, I guess, more time right. alone with God than with other people or leading in a sense i think Mm -hmm. so yeah no totally i agree with that oh love that okay so you started worship leading at 13 then you applied for bethel in california Mm -hmm. and did you have an end goal after after you graduated from the program or was it just i know that i'm supposed to be in this program and afterwards wherever the lord takes me is where where i'm going to go you know when i i mean i was so young 17 um when i applied at bethel whenever i went my really the only goal i had was to just learn about worship Mm. and to be developed in that um I didn't necessarily know like is this gonna ever end up being like a thing where this could be my job is it gonna be because it sounds weird even like even though america has the western church in general has made ministry to be out like a profession in a way yeah um yeah <laughs> i'm still like oh i don't know i'm just i'm in this spot where i'm like how can i like like you know the lord will provide the, the needs, the financial needs, the whatever Absolutely. you, whatever. It's just be obedient what he's calling you to. Um, 
so I didn't really have this thing of like, I'm going to go through this and then I'm going to apply to be a worship pastor somewhere. I'm going to, I didn't really have any of that. I just knew that I, I loved worship and I just went off of the passion of, I'm just going to do this. And plus I was young. I was like, I'm just going to have fun, you know? Yeah. And you're, you're still figuring out who you are as a person at that point anyway. Yeah. So, and I, I had z- I had zero desire at the time to necessarily like be a worship pastor and manage people. Um, I, nothing in me wanted to do that. I wanted to write songs and be able to lead worship. And I loved the interaction with a band and being a part of a band. And that, that was basically it. Um, and I would say, I think I went to BSSM um, as as somebody who loved worship, but I think that I became an actual worshiper there mm. um, because I didn't realize how much pride I had going into it. Cause I, I was always, you know, the youngest, the best, that kind of thing. Even when I was in first year, I just thought I was like my first year of ministry school. I, was, I just thought I was like all that in a bag of chips just because <laughs> I'm 17 with leading worship to a school of a thousand. Right. And, you know, and it, and it's impressive from a worldly viewpoint, you know? Um, and then second year came along and I didn't lead over the school. I just led in their worship rooms, which was kind of like their, uh, like kind of like how IHOP does like prayer rooms and okay. stuff like that, yeah. like inter- intercession prayer rooms. So very, a lot smaller scale. And I did the um, 10 PM to 12 AM set on Friday nights and the, 8 a.m. set on Monday mornings. So my services had, I went from leading in front of a thousand people and everybody knowing who I was to leading to like, I mean, maybe 20 on Fridays. And then Mondays, it was like me, the sound guy, my boyfriend and a couple homeless people. Oh, wow. And I Very different. Yeah. And I, and I realized in that season when you don't want to get up early, you know, when you're staying up late because you're a college kid and you don't want to get up early to go lead worship or you don't want to go do these things and you start to have to ask yourself, it's stripped down to mm. why am I doing this? Yeah. The why behind why, it. Why? And I started really tapping into like spontaneous worship then where the Lord would give me songs in the moment and I would get, you know, prophetic insight of what he was doing in the room, what he was wanting to say. Um, and I would come up with these these melodies and these songs and these these really catchy, catchy choruses that were just on the spot that were fresh and new. You know, the Bible talks about like, um, behold, I bring to you a new song mm-hmm. in the Psalms. And I began to realize that, you know, the my passion can't be the reaction of the room, the what society and what the world looks at as, um, you know, achievable, uh, things I needed to be able to, you know, find, okay, what are you birthing in me, God? And what, why am I doing this? It's because you're worthy. It's because I love you. It's because you, you've created a place for me, even when, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be or that type of thing. And, um, and that's where I realized like in the second year school of ministry, I realized, okay, what I love to do is to be able to catch what God's doing in the room in a moment and put words to it. I want to be able to take a moment, see what he's doing in the spiritual realm and to be able to put words to it so that others that may not be catching it can be activated in it and can be able to see it. And so like prophetic worship, like spontaneous worship, that is like my niche. That's like the thing I love to develop songs 
from those moments. So if I come up with like one chorus in a worship set, I want to take that home and worship with it at home with the Lord and be Mm. able to like develop and build the rest of the song um, and then teach other people how to do that. And so I got out of ministry school. um, I met my husband at ministry school. So when we got out of ministry school, we got married. We were in Utah for a couple of years. And um, when the Lord brought us to Michigan and I got asked to be the worship pastor here. I had no idea what I was signing up for whatsoever. <laughs> I, don't I, was think, like, I don't think you ever, you ever could. No, my pastor, I, like a year into it, my pastor was like, you know, Lydia, you know what your problem is? You don't like to manage people. Ooh. And I don't, I don't think you know that. And I, we just, we need to realize that's something we need to work on. And I was like, you're right. I don't like to manage people. <laughs> I just want to worship and show people how to write songs. Exactly. Yeah. But I have learned, but you know what I saw so much when I, started doing that and when I finally laid down like my I don't know you're mm. right I don't know is I brought every single memory came back to like my parents pouring into me as a kid and take in that little youth band of taking the time yeah. with children and I'm like how could they do that with annoying kids and I can't do that with adults right. <laughs> here you know and I I feel like I just got such I gained such a mother's heart for developing worshipers since I've been here um in all of that, I think it was just totally the Lord's thing that he set up me moving into a worship pastor role here. I would have never thought that I would have wanted that when I was at ministry school. Not at all. I think that the Lord kept it that way so that I would accept the job offer and I wouldn't know what I was signing up for right. Yeah, <laughs> because I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but I am so grateful at what's been developed since then um, and learning how to take people from point A to point B and to be able to like pastor them and mother them along the way has been, I mean, it's been a really big blessing for me. Mm-hmm. It's been full of frustration, full of joy, full of, I don't knows. Yes. Yes. So, so, so what has like from the time that you stepped into this role um, of being a, a worship pastor at, at your church in, in your own um, writing and singing, what areas of growth have you seen? Um, in my own writing and singing. Yes. And and um I guess leading worship as well. Yeah, I'm I would definitely say um when it comes to leading worship, I've I've really learned how to um not be so much of a one man show with a following on stage. So in in the sense of not a following of the congregation, but it is really easy to lead a band and you're the decision maker for everything you decide how things go when you when you decide to be a team though and to be a collaborative and say um you know when we're in rehearsals well what do you think what do you think we should do what do you think um stoppin it's that's scary because because you may not like what they decide and you know ultimately you as the leader get to decide no we're not going to do that or yes we are but it takes trust. It takes a lot of building trust and relationship development to say, you know, we're going to do it this way. Um, I've, when it comes to being leading worship live um, with other leaders, so having other co-leaders, having other singers up there um, to be able to, I think I've really grown in uh, activating and having risk happen to, to making it a safe place for other singers to step out and lead spontaneously mm. like you can do it this is this is how we're gonna do it and so we've done like um i've held like workshops with our team where we'll i'll have the band just play like a simple progression over and over and over so that the 
singers kind of know, okay, this is what the music's going right. to keep doing over and over and over. Yeah. And then I'll say, okay, so this is what we're going to do. Um, just to help you get practice in being able to come up with something quickly and pull from what the Lord's already put inside of you. Um, we are going to practice catching what God's saying. So I'm going to say, okay, God wants to reveal faith in this moment. Mm. So this is the topic. It's faith. So your job is to sing out a spontaneous verse about what, you know, how God's been faithful. Maybe it's your testimony. Maybe it's something else. It doesn't have to be something that they're going to sing along with. It can just be a ton of one liners, but then your job is to activate the, the congregation in that very thing. Mm. So if I'm singing, um, like you've always been faithful, you you've done so much for me, like something like that. And then I need to come up with a catchy chorus for the congregation to sing along to. Cause if you just sing to them, they'll go into spectator mode. Right. And they're just going to sit back and watch them. Like, this is, this is your moment. Exactly. This isn't, they're not feeling it this themselves. Is, right. And mm-hmm. so make them aware of what God's doing. He's been faithful. You have a testimony from it. You remember what he's done for you. You remember his promises and then come up with a really catchy chorus to let them and just repeat it over and over and over. And this is activating that living word in them. So it becomes something that they are a part of and not just something that you're singing to them. And so we'll do workshops like that where we'll just be like, okay, this is what we're doing. You're going to, the topic is healing. The topic is this, the topic is this. And it's not necessarily to avoid a bump in the road live, but it's to build up a confidence Mm, in them to catch, to learn how to hear and how to, how to hear and have discernment of what God's doing in the moment. So, so when the moment comes, they say, aha, I felt this before. So right. I so I know what or or what is about to take place. You can kind right. of catch that and you ride that wave a little easier. And it's gonna develop a vocabulary for you to be able to, you know, to know synonyms for for certain words mm. and to de- be able to develop a a big vocabulary. Right. Um, so that you have something to pull from and so you're not just saying constantly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, each service because you're not, you know, you're not maybe not developing your gift. Um, I think that's definitely been like teaching people how to step out in the prophetic and in prophetic song and take those songs that were created in worship and then develop them in worship at home Mm. um, has been something that it's been the big learning curve for how I lead, um, how I lead my team with being here as the worship pastor. It's definitely the thing that I'm um, the most passionate about. being able to have our musicians have moments where we just leave a lot of empty space so that, you know, our keyboard player can come up with like a prophetic line that like the Lord like gave her in her head and she just starts playing it. And it's like, it's bringing healing just through the notes that are being played. Um, the breakthroughs that happen through that. I think that that's like our niche, our niche is tapping into like, what is God doing in this moment, this time? And so, you know, we'll, we'll pick songs of course every weekend, but I think a lot of fruit has happened in the spontaneous, at least for us in this season. Mm. Mm. I, 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 and I also love what you said about like, including, you know, keys and 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 other instruments because i think we Mm -hmm. think it's just a singer who oh like it's yeah like the band is their background track or something yeah no no like sometimes like 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 even a lead guitar can Mm -hmm. a chord will come and it's just you can feel 
when there's a shift in the atmosphere mm-hmm. and then they, they just keep going and it's just layers and they keep going deeper and deeper and then it can be that yeah. all the singers come together and then yes. it's like they're joining in because they're they're they're, they're catching where the, the guitar player is going and it's yeah. like incorporating all that into a service oh man oh yeah we always Love say it. um so for like our application process and we bring people on um one of the spiels I go over with them is uh, whether they're, if they're not trying out for even like a worship leader position, but a background vocal or a musician, I always say like, look, you're, you are a worship leader on this team. Mm. If you are on this stage, Mm. you are leading the room in what's happening. So there's these, you know, there's these expectations with it. Like you need to be in your word during the week more than you're on stage. You need to be. Cause you can be called upon at any time. Yeah. And the Lord and the Lord's always speaking through you, whether it be through notes that you're playing or through words you're saying. Absolutely. So um, or through how you move, like we have one. Oh, my gosh. We have one guitarist. His name's Tristan. Um, He is the most joyful Mm. electric guitar player I've ever seen. He's dancing all over the stage while he's playing like he is just all over the place. And I he brings so much freedom like you. You couldn't find a person at our church who's not like. I just love watching Tristan whenever he's, he's worshiping. Like he just makes me feel like I can like let go and like come alive in the same way. And there's power behind that. You know, there's breakthrough that's, that's made when you just, oh, you're obedient in what you feel the Lord like bubbling up in you. Mm, Yeah. And, and something that's happened in, in, in our church, um, um, is that, you know, there's, there's definitely a thought or I guess, um, more so a, I guess, like you can be called upon at any time. Like, it's like what you said, it's like, you need to be in the word. You need to be preparing. You need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. You need to be in tune with, with what the Holy Spirit uh-huh. is saying, because you don't know what could take place and yeah. what plan he has for a person because he can minister through someone. And, mm-hmm. you, and it's like, you could be the appointed leader, but he's going to yeah. use someone else to to as you said bring healing to 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 exercise faith to 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 renew something within someone who is who is in the service right so it's like being ready <laughs> to mm-hmm. be called oh, upon it's, it's like it's the 10 virgins you know in the bible yeah it's it's have your oil ready yes it, have your oil yes. ready if you run out of oil when the bra- when the groom comes you're gonna miss it yeah you're gonna fall asleep you're gonna miss it yeah so yeah. absolutely yeah Oh, I love that. Um, what is your, I guess, have you always had a vision for your music or has that changed with kind of, I guess, the season? Because there's always a season in our lives. Right. Right. Um, you know, for me, um, I feel like, I mean, I've always looked at my music just as a tool to uh, having the Lord be uh, shown to, uh, believers to sit for them to see a deeper side of him and, and then for unbelievers so that they can encounter him and give their lives to him. So, um, I feel like it definitely goes in with season of what, what he's calling me to do at a certain time. Like right now, I really feel like, um, that my job right now is to develop and equip, um, other musicians and other singers to be able to release the songs that God's laid on their hearts. Mm. Um, that is, that's where I'm at right now. So by putting out my own music right now on my own platform, um, I really feel like it's a look, if I can do it, you can do it. 
if I can do this, you can do it. Like, I'm not an amazing musician by any means. Like, um, you know, I play keys and I play guitar, but I'm I'm pretty basic when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Singing is definitely um, like my main my main niche. Um, I'm gonna most likely hire musicians for my uh, for a lot of my albums. Like, you're not gonna catch me playing acoustic guitar on my recordings. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and so, but um, what I do know is that. Um, if the Lord can like do something through me when I was 13, when I was 17, um, when, you know, I'm 26 now and I'm very blessed to even be a worship pastor over the size church that I am. And, um, it's just that if I can do it, you can do it. If it, if you, if God puts a dream in you, all it takes is your yes. And he makes the way, Mm. you know, it's like, um, what the man chooses his path that the Lord order, orders his steps. His steps and yeah. that's, that's just where, that's just where I'm at currently. Um, I want to be able to inspire others to uh, go after their dreams. And maybe that doesn't look like music. Maybe that looks like something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, I feel like my calling is for my yes to be displayed so that others would be just sold out for him. Mm. Like I, I don't want to be known as, you know, a great, a great worship leader or somebody with a good voice. I want to be known as somebody who gave an immense yes and took and risked it all. That's my thing. Like I want to risk it all. And if like, even if that looks like tomorrow, God's like, sell your whole studio, do this instead. Yeah. Then like, that's what we do. Even though I love singing. If he says, sell it all, go, I don't know, go be a missionary. That's what we do, you know? And so um, that's just where I'm at. I don't ever want to get so in love with the tool of displaying God as I am in love with him. So mm-hmm. that yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with my music right now. Seeing that you are um, a worship pastor, is there any other areas within your church that you're involved in or is it strictly worship? Um, right now, yeah, I, I'm strictly involved with worship. Um, I do help out with like our Christmas productions or Easter productions, that type of thing. But being right. a mom of four, um, my, my priority right now is to be able to take care of my family mm-hmm. um, and to be able to have them, you know, I want them to have more hours experiencing the Lord in their home than being in like the staff daycare or right. things like that. Yeah. Um, we do as well as worship. Um, my husband is the leader of, we have a conference called um, Outpouring and we do it yearly. And like this past fall, we had upper room out. Um, we had um, Joel Figueroa and, uh, Michael Miller and Larissa Miller out for that. And um, so we do that yearly. That is like a, that's a big thing on our plates that we do. And so I head up all the music side for that as well. But um, I am really kind of guarding my time more from getting too involved, even though I love, there's so much going on that I love at our church. And we have an amazing, huge staff to to be able to accommodate every area. And like the Lord is moving so much in each spot. Um and, but we, we have a really big value for family at our church. And so um, we do our very best as a team to be able to uh, protect each other's time and uh, go really deep in our area, each of us, so that um, we can be a, of a bigger impact to the community and, and to our families at home. Mm. Yeah. Cause like the balance part sometimes is the most difficult part. Right. And, and you feel like, I feel like with ministry, it's like, we sometimes think 
that other we need to sacrifice other things for ministry and it's not always like Mm -hmm. that so we need to sacrifice time with our families we need to sacrifice ourselves we need to sacrifice you know our own well-being sometimes when 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 god is calling us into even times of rest and our own flesh is being like no i need to persevere i need to push i need to do more and it's like it's not always like that or it's, Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be like that yeah um so speaking of rest how do you find rest or how do you delegate time to make sure that you are rested? Because as you said, you are leading other people. So what does that look like for you? Yeah. Um, rest to me, it's, I mean, it's definitely family time. Like we try to have our family time. Um, it's something that my husband and I are actually trying to grow in. Um, you know, it talks about, you know, it's, we're commanded to take a Sabbath, um, from the Bible. And that is a really hard, um, that's like a really hard thing to get because, you know, biblically speaking, um, Robert Morris has a great message on this from Gateway, but he, Mm. you know, he speaks about, you know, rest is just as important. Taking a Sabbath, taking a time to just be with the Lord is just as important as, you know, not uh, committing adultery, not Mm. stealing, not. And so it's, you know, it's, it's easy to, to busy up our lives because we live in such a go, 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 go world. And, to be able to say, no, we've got one day that we're doing this. So well, I definitely don't have this down yet. Um, my husband and I are really trying to prioritize our Saturdays to be able to just be like, okay, this is family day. This is where we don't, we, we're not going to work on the house. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to uh, spend time with each other and to be able to uh, spend it, not focusing on ministry, anything like that. We've really, we've incorporated, uh, we take communion often at home with our kids. We We want them to grow up. Uh, knowing that communion isn't just for like once a month at church. Exactly. Or or if it's like a certain holiday or something like that. Right, then, right. And yeah, so you, that's you take communion. Yeah. So that's something that we've really incorporated into our life. Um, we'll do like worship at home, just putting it on YouTube and worshiping in the living room. It's super cute. My oldest son, he'll, he'll uh, give a speech to my daughter and he'll say, <laughs> now Scarlett, this means that you can read your Bible on the floor or you can dance or you can lay down and soak, but you cannot play with toys and you cannot just color whatever you want. It has to be something that the God's showing you. Wow. And he's five, you know, and I, I give a lot of of credit to that to our our kids pastor. Our kids pastor is awesome. She's taught a lot with that, but um, we've really tried to, uh, I want our kids to see what we do at church far more at home. Than what they see at church. So, like, we shouldn't. I don't ever want to be like, you know, at church, you say your arm's hurting and we pray for you, but at home, we might give you ibuprofen. I don't want to do that. Like, I want to, if you say you have, you know, my my elbow hurts, mommy, or this, I want to stop. Okay, let's stop and pray. Let's do Mm. this. I'm not going to immediately be like, make you some Tylenol. Let's not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with medicine. I'm for medicine, but like, my husband and I are really just, we want to live a lifestyle where like the first thing we go to is Jesus. Yeah. And in every is, situation and not just the dire ones, right? but in every situation. Right. So I kind of got off topic with the rest thing, but oh, that, no, kind, of, that okay. kind of plugs in there. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I think sometimes what happens or like, I'll speak to myself about this is that when it's life that's modeled at church versus life that's modeled at home when troubles arise then it's like you get that divide where it's like yeah but Mm -hmm. what what way are we supposed to 
go down or what path are we supposed to go down because right. sometimes I've been modeled this but a lot of times I've been modeled something completely different and then mm-hmm. that's where like confusion comes in or then right. it's like not even confusion but just like an unbelief comes mm-hmm. in because then it's just like well I don't really know what to do and then right. it's like I had to go through that process which also helped me in realizing that everyone like everyone has to know God for themselves so then like their faith has to be established themselves and I think sometimes what happens as like if you're a pastor's kid is that your faith is through your parents Mm -hmm. and it's like you haven't fostered that level of faith yourself Mm -hmm. so then it's like the fact that you're doing that with your kids actively oh I love that yeah it's so great yeah it's a huge passion of ours um, so this past week, June 19th, um, you released uh, Praise Before My Breakthrough, the live cover. Um, what can we expect from you in the future? And and just share like how people can connect with you also and your music. Um, that just released this past weekend. Oh, it is like, it is seriously an anointed rec- um, recording. Yes. I, oh man, I am, I just truly believe that like, whatever anointing is happening, if you can capture that in a recording, I believe when you re-listen to it, that you can Mm. tap into that same thing that was happening. So people that weren't in the room, um, what was experienced there can be experienced again through listening to it later. So you can get that at like all streaming platforms. Um, Lydia Bricker, it's uh, praise before my breakthrough live spontaneous. Um, And then I do have another cover coming out on July 17th. Um, It's the the cover for it is No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus by Mm. Stephanie Gretzinger. Um, It's so good. It is. It's so, so good. It's it is the second verse of it talks about like, um, like, let my children tell their children. And it talks about how they. that, I, that, that she was so in love with with the Lord and that um, that when all time is gone, that she would be found with nothing wasted and that she just loves him. And um, I just super connected with that song. And so we did a cover of it and it releases on July 17th. Um, it's going to be available on all streaming platforms as well. Um, if you are somebody who has Spotify, if you want to pre-save it, um, you can do that. And you can also um, like it when it comes out, like like any of my songs when they come out. Add them to your playlist. Absolutely. Add them, yep. Yeah. Add them to your playlist. That really helps me with when it comes to um, getting my music put on Spotify official playlist so that my music can get out there further. Um, that's a great way to do it. Um, you can also like and follow my Facebook page, Lydia Bricker. Uh, it's a fan page. And then I'm also on Instagram. You can do that as well. And um, I've got a lot more music coming out that I can't really say much about right now, but a lot of music is coming out this summer, this fall. Um, tons quarantine did something beautiful for us that's all i'm saying thank you for listening to today's episode of the lampstand chronicles again thank you to lydia for joining me on this episode now to echo lydia's last point be sure to support her music or any of the music featured from guests on the show being an independent artist is not easy so all the support from the community is so vital so again stream her song praise before my breakthrough or the song nothing else i'll be sure to link those in the episode description for you 
be sure to connect with me on Instagram. The show's page is at the Lampstand Chronicles and my personal page is at Rocky Saint Amand. Again, I will link those in the episode description for you. If you're using Apple Podcasts, would you be so kind and leave me a review and hit that rate button? It definitely helps my podcast get published on featured pages. Don't forget to subscribe to The Lampstand Chronicles, which is available on all major streaming platforms and new episodes come out every second Thursday. And in whatever you do, may your light shine bright. Take care, everyone.